Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, for today's podcast, we're very kindly joined by Glyn Cotton, who is the CEO and co-founder of Water Technology Company, aptly named Water. Glyn, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's great to be here. So, Glyn, we're, we're going to be discussing your technology in some detail um, today. Uh, one of the main reasons that you are joining us is because you have currently a crowdfunding campaign running on Cedars. Um, congratulations, you've already met your target, but you do still have some time left. So, anybody listening to this and, and likes what they hear, there is going to be the opportunity to, to pursue that further. Do check out the links to the podcast. Um, you're going to be able to find some links there through to the page. So let's now get into the uh, the details of, of water, um, a water technology company. Um, you have um, developed um, some technology that focuses on water sanitization. Um, so before we go into details of, of where you are with the business, would you be able to just give us some, some background um, on water and what your, your product and technology does? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we built a, a smart water monitor. Uh, it measures water quality in live time. Um, the idea for it, so a bit of background, I suppose. Um, the idea for it came from a, a kind of personal experience of mine. Um, I was fishing at a friend's lake and he was telling me about a, a problem that he'd had with water quality um, in the previous year. And he basically had an oxygen crash and he'd been away on holiday uh, had a phone call saying a lot of the kind of fish in the lake were, were dying, gasping for air. Um, so he rushed back from holiday, called out the fire brigade, who sprayed the lake with water to kind of bring some of the oxygen back. But effectively, he lost uh, £250,000 worth of stock and revenue, um, which kind of got me thinking, you know, there's got to be a way to kind of safeguard against these issues. Um, and he was showing me the, the kind of device that he uses to, to kind of measure and it was this handheld device and he'd kind of write the write the numbers down in a notebook and it was at that point kind of said look let us build you a proof of concept um, of something that can measure in live time and myself and, and the other co-founders were all from a technology background so we kind of went away built him a proof of concept uh, and he tested it at his lake and it worked really well so um, we we then took the the next step to go and present this idea we went to web summit um, and kind of entered a pitch competition, ended up getting to the final and pitching in front of 20,000 people on a live stage, which was absolutely terrifying, but it got us loads of traction, um, lots of interest from different industries. And um, it was a, it kind of at that point, really, that we realised, actually, this is a much, much bigger problem worldwide, you know, water quality than just fisheries and fish farms. And um, yeah, we, we took that opportunity to kind of, we left our, the current roles we were in and we, we started water full time. Fantastic. So you obviously mentioned there one one problem there um, with the lack of oxygen um, and, and the unfortunate death of, of the fish there. But what other problems are you setting out to solve with, with water? I mean, is, it, is this limited um, to, to just the fishing industry or is this something that you're now rolling out across various um, different elements of, of the water um, sector? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've kind of moved almost entirely away from the fishing industry. Actually, um, it's still it's still definitely a market that we want to to service. But um, you know, one of our main focuses is drinking water. Um, drinking water in you know third world countries um, where it's you know it's kind of life and death issues, um, and there's some pretty harrowing stats out there uh, with regards to you know the number of deaths per year. Um, with water sanitation issues due to drinking water. So that's come, become a big focus for us is actually, you know, helping with the kind of global water scarcity and, and water quality issues that there are. Um, that said, you know, there's a number of other different industries that we're, we're kind of working with um, predominantly in the UK at the minute, but also um, looking around Europe and, and worldwide, which is, uh, water utility companies, they're obviously very interested in the technology because it helps with um, their drinking water and water quality and kind of enabling them to prove that they're not polluting the waterways and that what they're doing is is the right thing for water quality. Also, um, things like the fashion industry. Um, so brands being able to kind of prove that the factories that they're using predominantly, you know, in countries like in, in, in Asia are kind of playing by the rules and not kind of polluting the waterway so brands want to safeguard themselves against negative PR and things like that so it's kind of opened up a huge amount of different use cases for us and we're kind of in a in a situation where we are almost running pilots in a number of these different use cases um, and different markets um, and and also off the back of that being able to then deliver units to third world countries to help with um, drinking water issues. Indeed. So, I mean, I've got some stats here that, that, that there's deaths in to the tune of one million per year um, from poor water sanitisation and, and hygiene-related diseases. And of course, a lot of those will be in the third world. But um, I'm also surprised to to see that there's actually um, quite a high level of issues here in the UK um, with some of the major water companies. So, I mean, that that's obviously going to be a market for you. Glenn, I mean, what what do those? Can you just explain those um, those issues there? Because I think some people will be surprised to hear that there is uh, a, a, a level um, of um, the poor water quality here in in the UK, given some of the high standards that um, we're perceived to have of the water system here. I mean, how are you sort of go about going about helping um, these companies operating here in the UK? Yeah, so we're working with um, a few UK water companies, and I think. It wasn't until we really got into it that we realised the the kind of, I, I guess the the level of issues that there are. Um, so the Environment Agency released a, a report last year that um, said that not a single one of the UK waterways met the quality standards required for bathing waters. Which you know that's that in itself is is a, is a pretty horrendous stat. So all those rivers and you know places where we go kayaking, canoeing, boating, swimming, um, none of them have got the water quality that they should have. Um, and obviously that comes down to a number of different reasons. And the UK water companies are trying to help with this, but they you know, potentially sometimes are also part of the problem. So, I mean, it's no secret that, that water companies pump sewage into the rivers and there's a certain amount of sewage that those rivers can take. Um, and it's being able to monitor how that happens, when that happens, 
why it should happen at that time um, rather than just, oh, there's been a lot of rainfall so we can get away with pumping some sewage into the river and it will kind of, you know, disappear. And I think it's shocking to some people to actually know that that happens, but it does happen. Um, it, it, and we're kind of trying to help make sure that that happens responsibly. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about it and there's a lot of the water companies that want to make a difference and they're really kind of jumping on board with this technology and kind of wanting to be more open, honest about water quality and also what effects what they're doing has on the water quality. Fantastic. So we're obviously going to be talking in, in some detail about the uh, the crowdfunding campaign a, bit, a little bit later on in the podcast, but I, I think it's probably just worth explaining, Glyn, a little bit more about the sort of process of your technology and how it would fit in um, to existing uh, businesses, maybe first of all here in, in the UK, and then what the, the model would be in, in third world countries and who would the stakeholders be that would be involved in utilising your, your technology? Sure. Um, so in the UK, so basically the, the technology, what we've built is a, a small kind of almost A4 sized um, hardware device, uh, very light, um, that can be literally thrown into the water anywhere um, and then data comes off that straight to a mobile app or web dashboard. Um, and we've kind of built this technology because we want it to be really accessible um, and really easy to use because they're the kind of key barriers that, are, that, are, that kind of exist from a lot of existing suppliers. So we wanted to make it as easy as you open the box, you throw it in the water um, and you start getting data straight to your phone. Um, so that's kind of what we've built and that's kind of like top level, like our technology. Um, the way that kind of fits in um, with predominantly the, the UK market currently is um, we're going and installing on UK rivers, reservoirs, um, fisheries, fish farms, various different places. We go, we put these units in um, and then the, the business owner, so that, that could be the fishery owner or fish farm owner or in the water companies it's usually within the innovation team there um, they then have instant access to this data and can review this data on a on a daily basis on an hourly basis if they like um, and kind of really get a good feel of what's going on we also have a data scientist in-house so that that because a lot getting the data is one thing um, but knowing what to do with the data is, is a complete you, you know complete different ball game so a lot of the companies that we're working with love to be able to see the data but they want to know okay actually what does this data mean once i see a, a drop in ph level and a, a rise in turbidity or whatever it might be what does that mean for us so and that's where we use our kind of consultancy services of our our in-house water scientists to be able to kind of give advice and uh, preventative measures and also kind of help fix any issues that there are with water quality for that client lovely so i mean what what would it mean um, of course, you mentioned there, I mean, sanitisation is, is a huge issue in, in the third world. Um, obviously, a slightly different model you'll be pursuing there. How would how would that work? So with our um, third world units, so there's a, there's a couple of different routes we take. So we want to partner with um, as many kind of drinking water charities as possible to get units out where they're where they're needed kind of straight away. We had some initial talks with the UN about installing some units at a Rohingya refugee camp um, to be able to detect things in the kind of drinking water that's there. Um, and 
they're the kind of things we want to pursue. So there's there's the kind of charity aspect, um, but then also off the back of that, we as a company, um, we want to kind of do our bit as well. So um, for every kind of certain amount of units that are sold, we then donate X amount of units to charity. So we're trying to kind of bring that charity aspect in and kind of send units out. The bit that we, um, I guess the, the, the kind of the blocker there is um, who who is the owner of that technology in that place? Who is going to put it in, look after it, review the data, all those kind of things. So it's that's a part of the business that we're kind of working on at the minute. And part of our current investment round is going to be to to almost kind of flesh out what that part of the business means and how we can get a really good structure in place to, to, to push that part forward. Fantastic. So, um, let, let's probably look now, uh, Glyn, at the at the crowdfunding campaign. Um, you set out with a four hundred fifty thousand pounds target. Um, you're currently on three hundred and twenty four thousand. Um, so you have surpassed the uh, the target there, which is which is great news. I mean, how have you found the the, the process of, of the crowdfunding campaign, and what's the feedback been from investors so far? It's been a really interesting process for us. It's the first time we've done a crowdfunding campaign. Um, we chose to uh, we chose to do a crowdfunding campaign, and we chose the Cedars platform because they supported the um, future funds. So um, it was uh, the match funding from the government on a convertible loan deal, basically, um, and, and Cedars supported that. And we had to put together the campaign very very quickly we had about a two week period from start to finish from from deciding that we were going to do it to launching on the platform um and yeah the process has been really smooth and we've really enjoyed it we'll definitely do another crowdfund again um the support locally um the support from our friends families um has been amazing you know people who we haven't spoke to for, for years have kind of come out of the woodwork and invested a little bit of money and it, I think in this process every little helps um, the feedback that we're getting is, is great from investors we're getting lots of people kind of wanting to, to join join and be part of it we've got a um, rewards scheme set up so for every investment uh, over a thousand pounds we're planting 600 trees in, in Madagascar which has a, a kind of twofold effect. It helps with obviously the carbon footprint, um, but it also they're, they're in mangroves, so it also helps with water quality um, and erosion and things like that. So again, it's just you know a big part of our company ethos is um, sustainability, the environment. So we wanted to kind of bring that through in, in the crowdfunding platform as well, and bring on investors who have got that similar mindset, similar missions, and yeah, it, it's been absolutely brilliant fantastic so obviously those people that would have uh, have signed up and uh, invested uh, in you would have had a good look through your uh, your crowdfunding page on Cedars. and as i said at the beginning the link to that is in the the notes to this uh, to this podcast but i mean one of the key factors that people are investing in in, your, in yourselves and companies like yourselves would be interested in is, is the revenue model because that's obviously going to be um, the facilitator of growth for you going forward past the campaign um, in terms of generating further cash. So, what, I mean, what does that look like for you, Glenn? Of course, we just touched on on the operations previously, but what what are your main revenue channels? 
So our main revenue channel, so our, the, the business model works. Uh, we have a, um, a, a kind of subscription model. Um, so what we do is we have a hardware lease. So we charge a, a setup fee for the hardware. Um, and this kind of gives brings the, the upfront cost down. So we have a hardware lease model. Um, and then we charge a, a monthly subscription. So rough kind of estimated cost is about £1,000 for the upfront lease cost. Um, and that's for 12 months. And then we charge £50 a month, which gives access to the data, the consultancy services, um, recalibrations, things like that. So it kind of makes it accessible to anyone. So there are our main revenue streams. We then also have, um, we do site visits, we do remote site visits, we do 3D um, 3D kind of modeling of site visits from drones. We do all sorts of different consultancy services um, and obviously our water quality uh, analysis services as well with our water scientists. So we've got a number of different revenue streams and then we've got an, a couple of additional kind of products and revenue streams coming in um, in the next 12 to 18 months or so. Lovely. So... I'm just looking now to to the future to pass the the crowdfunding um, campaign. I mean, what what are the the main plans going to be with, with the funds that you that you raise? Where are you going to be allocating those and deploying those in, in further growth for water? So we um, we at the right at the minute uh, I'm sitting here um, surrounded by boxes in the office because we're actually about to move offices to a bigger facility where we can. Uh, bring a lot more production in-house, um, up, upgrade our kind of production facilities, enable us to build more units, test facilities. So that's um, a small part of the funds are going to be used to to assist with that. Um, but most of the funds from this round are going to be used for key hires. We want to we want to build the team. We've got about eight people currently. Um, we want to build that team up. We want to get some experts in in certain areas and kind of also help out in some of the areas that we're kind of you know completely flat out on um so we want we've got we've got a number of different hires that we want to uh, to make in the next few months um and then we've got some of that budget that's going to stock so we're going to put some of that money to materials effectively to build our our next batch of 500 units um that'll be going out you know all over all over the country um, but also we've got quite a few proposals in place and, and kind of going through at the minute for um, various different applications in places like Australia, um, China, America. So, um, yeah, kind of building that team and making sure we've got the right processes in place um, is key for this investment round. Lovely, lovely. So, I mean, with you know, any... Um, crowdfunding uh, investment that anybody that's listening to this may be considering. Of course, um, a private company that, that there's no readily available secondary exchange Im- immediately. So, uh, people will be always interested on what the potential exit is uh, for you. And, and now, at such an early stage, then of course, that there's lots of different options, and, and it's probably going to be something that you're not considering. Uh, to be doing for, for some time as you develop the business but but people looking forward sort of three five years plus what could be the uh, the opportunity there for an exit for the business it's a strange one it's that it's something that we I would say when we started the business we weren't thinking about at all but when we did our you know our very first kind of um, pre-seed round in in 2018 it was a question that we were asked a lot so we had to start thinking about it pretty seriously 
um, you know, at the early stages of the business. So we we're in talks with a couple of um, kind of companies about uh, potential exit plans. So XPV partners, we're speaking to them about you know our potential options. Currently, we're looking at uh, probably about a five to seven year plan. Um, and we're really going to start reviewing very seriously once we hit a 10 million pound turnover. Um, but we're looking to, um, yeah, we'll be looking to do some kind of exit in about five to seven years time. There, but we will also include other kind of secondary options before that. So um, for people who have kind of invested and want to come out and people, other people to come in. So we've we've definitely got that in plan, that plan in place to to enable our investors to have that flexibility. Perfect. So, I mean, ju- just to finish off here, Glenn, it, it, obviously people looking at the company and, you know, there, there's a fantastic story behind it. Investors will also be um, wondering what the potential pitfalls are for the business, um, you know, what, what the risks are. And I think a way of doing that is maybe sort of highlighting some of the failures that, you, that you've seen, of course, all startups go through um, this process where there's things that um, unfortunately, don't work out to to plan. I mean, how how have you been finding that the process and, and what's um, sort of been an obstacle so far? And can you see anything that could potentially trip you up going forward? It's I mean, it's something that we keep an eye on all the time. I've been involved with a few startups before. The other co-founders have been involved with startups, so we've kind of tried to mitigate against as many of those failings as possible. Um, and one of the key things at the early stage was getting, you know, a great team in place. And we've definitely done that. You know, we've got a really strong team here, um, really knowledgeable team. And that's kind of played in our favour a lot with regards to the experience. Um, like you say, though, there's always things that kind of trip us up. I'd say one of the one of the, the biggest things in the last 12 months has obviously been, you know, the pandemic. And we probably didn't, expected it to kind of end sooner than it did. Uh, and we probably didn't put the right plans in place um, for when it happened, um, thinking that, oh, it'll be over in a few months. Um, obviously, that's not the case. It's kind of car- carried on and continues yeah. to. So um, I think that's definitely one of our key learnings is to, you know, be more prepared for those those type of things and also maybe be a bit more realistic about them. But um, I think moving forward, one of our key focuses is obviously sales. It's key to the business. Um, we want to make sure that our our kind of sales team is is a well oiled machine. That's effectively that is what's going to uh, make or break the business. And currently, we've got a you know we've got an amazing sales director, um, but that's one of the key areas we want to grow. Is you know he can go out and he's you know selling to all the water companies, speaking to the charities, um, various different fashion companies, um, but bringing in the team underneath him to kind of go out and sell, you know, at a similar pace and um, with a similar success to, to him, that is going to be our, our next key thing. So that's um, that's something that we're focusing a lot of time and energy on, finding the right people. Uh, and we want to make sure that, yeah, that's, that's kind of perfect in the next six months. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Glyn. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll just reiterate, anybody looking for further information, do follow the links that you'll find in the notes to this podcast, whether you're listening um, on iTunes or, or on the website, you'll be able to find that link through to the uh, the crowdfunding page. 
but Glyn, um, apart from that, what would be the best way for anybody uh, listening to this and wanting to get in touch with you? What would be the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, um, I use it you know, all the time. So anyone who wanted to get in touch um, with anything at all, whether it's you know, just wanting a, a chat about stuff, they're building a startup of their own, or they might know someone who's interested in working in this area. Yeah, LinkedIn, um, happy for anyone to add me on LinkedIn and we can we can chat via that. And if we need to, then we can follow up on phone, email. But yeah, LinkedIn initially is the best place to uh, best place to contact. Fantastic. So Glyn, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks ever so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 